choose, I chose to get away. I joined a program called Teen Missions. From there, I worked with my family and raised my own funds and embarked on a trip that would change my heart for myself, for God, and for the world. I left for Florida, first time away from home ever. We went down, I spent two weeks in a boot camp. We wake up early, we went through military style training, we had obstacle courses, we had to learn uh, scripture all the time, we learned how to do worship, we learned how to do drama, we learned how to do puppets, um, we learned how to work as a team. And during that experience, during those two weeks, I experienced God for the first time in a new way, and it just clicked, and I ended up giving my heart to the Lord. So I actually started a mission trip, and I wasn't even following the Lord. And while I was there, God met me, and I gave my heart to him, and that was 25 years ago. During that time, um, once we were finished, uh, we and uh, myself and 31 other youth uh, and five leaders flew out of Florida. We arrived at Bangkok at 2.30 in the morning. It was about 92 degrees and 95% humidity. And we said, oh boy, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Um, from there, we took a five-hour bus trip up to Chiang Mai, and then we took uh, trucks that were not air-conditioned, uh, which was exciting and pretty scary. Uh, we all piled into trucks, and we traveled another three hours up to the village of Hukuk Mu, which is in northern Thailand, right near Burma and Laos. Um, when I was there in 88, and that was actually during the Burmese Revolution. At night, you could actually see like the rockets and explosions over, over in Burma, which was which is pretty crazy. Um, also, what was a little stressful was in between us and the border was one of the largest opium uh, growing areas in Thailand. Um, so we had to be very careful. There was always soldiers walking around with Uzis and um, protecting their fields. And so you kind of knew where your boundaries were and you, you stayed away from their stuff. Um, we spent the next four weeks doing Bible studies worship and working by hand to build a new church for the village out of concrete and brick. Their previous church building had been devastated by a monsoon. During those four weeks, I got to lay down everything I held dear, everything that was precious, and everything I knew to serve the people of Thailand and my fellow teammates. I remember at break time sometimes, because I got so homesick, that I would actually sit and sketch out Weeks Family Restaurant uh, is now the Shanghai in Laconia. And, but it used to be Weeks Family Restaurant. And every Saturday night, my family and I would go there. We would have ice cream and, and dinner. And so I would actually sketch the booth that we always sat in, and I would sketch the ice cream, and I would sketch things that reminded me of home. Because at 13, it's, it's a long ways to be away from home for that long. Um, and in the midst of that, of, of going through that, God continued to meet me. Uh, in that time of, of being away, and work, just work through my life. I got to see God move in my life and those around me, and even got to lead people through salvation. This was the beginning of a birthing of passion for missions and reaching people around me to share Christ with them. I had heard the call, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And the joy and the changes in my life that I experienced through obedience have helped to make me who I am today. The typical American churchgoer spends most of their life pursuing the American dream. We pursue a good job, a nice house, a good education for our children, luxuries if possible, and a peaceful retirement. 
As Americans, we are called to live lives that overcome obstacles, lives that stand against the storms, lives that show our grit and determination to rise above our circumstances. We enjoy the recognition of jobs well done, careers well built, and children raised to follow the same dreams and to be successful in their own right. In fact, is this not exemplified and celebrated all around us in America? From the athlete or team that persevered to accomplish a great win or victory, to the person that comes from humble beginnings to rise, to become a CEO of a large corporation accumulating great wealth and prestige, or to the actor or actress that worked as a waiter or waitress, scraping by until they could get the big call and rise out of obscurity to become the next Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. And that's what people strive for. We celebrate that. That's, that's making it on your own and pulling yourself up out of your circumstances. In America, we can do anything we set our hearts to. What if we miss something along the way? Have we succumbed to the allure of material wealth and goods here in America? Have we been drawn in by the world to spend our free time pursuing the supposed banquet the Hunger Games provide? Or the excitement of teen heartthrobs caught up in violence and lust in the Twilight series? Are we at home texting in our votes for the next American Idol? Or who's going to be the next voice? Are we joining week after week to see the mind games and manipulation and see who will be this year's survivor? Are we putting vast amounts of our finances into better homes, cars, boats, or personal pleasure? I know I have lost precious time in my life from entertainment like this, and I regret it. As Americans, we've learned that we can muster enough strength on our own to accomplish just about anything. Yet as we read the word, the God of the Bible shows over and over that he celebrates moving in the weakness of man. He is most powerful when he can be most glorified. Just look at how he used Joshua and the Israelites in the Old Testament to defeat the first city in the promised land. Joshua 6, 1 through 20 recounts this. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the story goes on to tell how they did that. And sure enough, on that seventh time when they shouted and blew the horns, the walls of this impenetrable fortress fell before them, and they took the city. It is unlikely that the trumpeters and the worshipers celebrated at how loud they blew their horns, or the clarity of notes that they hit, or how good they looked while they were doing it. That most likely was not going on. 
Rather, it was beyond obvious that this could be nothing else but the mighty hand of God moving in power because they were obedient. Is it possible the American way has robbed us of becoming humble, laying everything before the cross, and truly walking out the calling he has placed before us? Does God need more church programs, nicer buildings, big budgets, the latest in media and entertainment to accomplish his will on the earth? What if he is looking for the whole body to step into ministry, into teaching, and discipleship in their own homes, communities, and mission fields? Maybe Sundays are for equipping and celebrating, and the rest of the week is for us to be doing the work that God has called us to do. When I was 17, our youth group uh, was going to South Baptist. Uh, We worked together, and we went on a week-long mission trip to Mexico. We arrived in Corpus Christi and spent the first few days uh, there at the Church of the King, where I'd actually gotten to spend some years when I was growing up. We then got a very old school bus, and my father, which I was lucky enough to have him on that trip, uh, drove our school bus through McAllen, Texas, across the border and into Reynosa, Mexico. We went into the barrios there, and we got to build a new home. Well, it was more to us it would be a shack, but to the elderly woman that we built it for, it was a new home. She had been living in uh, a a little thrown-together shack with with tin and pieces just leaning together, and that was her home. And some gangs came through and basically destroyed it. Uh, So we got to, out of plywood and wood and concrete, actually build her something that she would at least be safe in and have protection from the weather. And while we were there, we got to minister to the local people. We got to lead people to Christ and share in their suffering. And at 17, it was a great, a continued wake-up call about how blessed we are in America and how much we have compared to most people in the world. It reminded me of that and how much the world needs God's love, mercy, and what he has given us should be given back. have to ask a tough question. When did the command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, become optional or for just elect people? When did a commandment spoken by Jesus become something we could choose to obey or not obey? I'm not called, I hear. The foreign field is for certain people with special giftings. I'm so glad that God didn't call me to leave my home to go to another country. Why is it that all of God's love, mercy, and blessings are something that is for us, and we claim that, and yet suffering, sacrifice, death to self, discipleship, and missions are not? How is it that we can read Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And say, that's for me, I claim that but then we refuse to go out in the world. When did God's word say we could pick and choose what was right for us? The command is for all people that follow Christ. It is not an option. He has equipped us and will work through us as we step out in obedience. Could it be that we have just put up a smoke screen or a defensive wall to convince ourselves it is okay to just live our lives the way we're going and not be obedient to God's calling? I'm pretty sure that's called rebellion. 
How about the popular one? What about the needs here in America? What about the needs in my community? How many times have we heard people say that when it comes to missions? But seriously, for the amount of times that we've heard that from somebody, how many have followed that up with action, creating mission in their local area, doing outreach and making changes in their own area? I think more often this becomes a quaint notion of what we would like to do as we settle back into our normal American life, blowing off the commandment that God just put before us. What if God is calling us not to an either or, but rather a both and? What if God is looking for you to start a child outreach, a home group, start using your company or your skills to train and enable immigrants and the poor in your area, as well as committing time out of the country? Maybe it is to dedicate one week a year to do a mission in the U.S. and the next year a mission overseas. That's certainly doable for most of us. Is 2% of your time that much to give to obeying God's command? With over 4.5 billion people that do not know Christ worldwide, if we all stay home hoping someone else is going to do it, is it ever going to get done? It may be time to honestly look at our hearts and lives and where we're placing our energy. I'm not saying that God has called all of us to pack up and move overseas, but if we question God's calling on our hearts, it may be that God is calling you overseas. The question we need to begin with is following Jesus' commands worth it? Do we truly understand the gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ? Is Jesus worthy enough? Is he great enough, fulfilling enough, merciful enough, and complete enough for us to say, yes, I will lay my life down before you and go wherever you call me? Was his sacrifice worthy of our lives and obedience? That is where my family and I are at. We believe the answer is yes. We believe that God's command to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations is for all of us, and we choose to be obedient. My family and I pretty much grown up in this church body. I started coming to church here almost 18 years ago in the pastor's living room. I met my wife here. We got married here. The only church our children have ever really known is here. I've gotten to travel on continued mission trips with Pastor Dick to the Dominican Republic, Philippines, Jordan, and Israel. I've been able to grow as a disciple in the various stages of ministry and have gotten the amazing blessing of walking with numerous people into salvation and ministering in the prophetic. Through youth ministry, I have come, been, come to be known as Papa to my children, the youth God has graced us with for the last eight years, and even many adults call me Papa. God has blessed me with a tremendous career, doing well over there, with great respect from staff and clients at my office. I'm known as Sensei because I'm the go-to guy whenever anybody has issues, and God has blessed me in that area. Gretchen has grown as a mighty and blessed woman of God, ministering to women of all ages for years, teaching life skills like cooking and budgets to ministering in prayer and counseling. She's become a respected and loved woman of God in this body and our community. 
She also has been on multiple short-term missions. And we actually got to go to Dominican Republic together when we were engaged. So we started off our relationship overseas, spending time ministering to the poor, bringing people through salvation, and seeing healing. Um, just a tremendous thing. And it really was just a picture of things to come. When you look at our family and our success and where we're at, you can say that we are an American dream. We're fulfilling it, that we're doing well as a family, and, and great, we, we've met that. That's super. But honestly, it's not worth it. We're ready to lay it all down because we found something greater, and that's being obedient to God's calling. About two years ago, our church had a family come from Lewiston Vineyard, and they were sharing that they were getting ready to go to New Zealand. While we were listening to them, I heard Dad say, you're going to go work with them. I told Gretchen after, and she laughed at me. (laughs) Getting Gretchen to go away from her family, basically, she's always said, would require God to write on the wall for her to leave her family. There's no way that she would ever do it. A year later, they came back as they were getting ready to actually go do the plant. They were leaving within a couple months. And again, God said, you're going to go work with them. And I told Gretchen, and she laughed at me again. (laughs) But I still held it in my heart because I knew God had spoken. It was the same voice that I heard when I met her and said, that's your wife. So I knew that voice. I I knew Dad was speaking to me, so I knew we were going to New Zealand. And I prayed that God would work on her heart and our family to get us to the point where we could say yes to this calling. A couple Aprils ago, uh, about a year ago, we were doing a media fast with our youth group. So no secular media of any type, just pursuing the Lord. And during that time, Gretchen came to the point where she said, Dad, I want to live a life that is worthy. I want to live a life that means something I will go and do whatever you ask. At the same time, I was reading the books Radical, Radical Together, and Welcoming the Stranger. And in reading those, and even when I read them today, God wrecked me. God wrecked me for the lost, for the broken, for the hurting around the world that we, as his people, are supposed to be saving and bringing to him, meeting, going out and working with them. So I went back to Gretchen and said, Gretchen, I really think we're supposed to go to New Zealand. And this time she agreed. And that began our transition as a family to stepping into what God was calling for us. When we said yes, this last year has probably been one of the hardest years that I've ever gone through in my life. Five surgeries, I spent more time in bed at my house than I have out, I think. Um, we've had financial issues, struggles, we've had issues with our children, uh, the enemy has come hard against us, and we've had our storms. Saying yes and being obedient comes with a cost. There is a price to pay. But time after time, we can see God's hand, and we see his blessings, and we're partaking in his joy. We see the price as well worth it. I would never have thought about leaving all that God had given us here. But he has called us, 
and I can't imagine not obeying him. We're going to a new country entirely across the world, and we're going to work with Journey Vineyard to build a church and reach a new community of people and bring Christ to that land in any way that we can. We will be starting over again with no titles, no recognition of what we've done over the last 18 years, only a couple people that even know us. And we believe God has a purpose and a reason for this. We don't know fully what it is, but we trust our Father, and we will be obedient. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus shares the following parable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I can imagine what was going through friends' minds as he was doing this, as he's selling off all of his property. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to buy that field over there. They're like, you're selling everything you have to buy a field? Yeah, I I think there's something good there. I think it's worth it. I'm going to do it. Trying to be discreet, trying to be a little sly, because he doesn't want somebody else buying the field, of course. But selling everything to purchase that gift. Like the man in the parable of the treasure in the field, We have found our treasure in Christ, and we're selling what we have. We're selling our home, our possessions, and we're moving that we might purchase the field that God has set before us. And we will share this treasure with anyone who is willing to accept it. I would ask of you, I would beg of you, I would plead with you, for the sake of the world and the obedience of your Creator, Won't you please consider dropping your walls and reaching out to share what God has given you, what God has invested in you? Please won't you take up missions and say, yes, I will obey God's command and I will make disciples throughout all the world. Find a leader and ask what you can do to help in current ministries and missions. If God has placed certain people, groups, or areas in your heart, then ask, Dad, how can you reach out to them? Please, please, do not walk away and say this is for someone else to do. There are people around the world waiting to hear from you about the glory of Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings. Doing short-term missions is something very reachable. The vineyard in this area has uh, regular outreaches to Costa Rica all the time. There are a lot of mission groups that we can connect you with. And just taking one week out of your year to go will change your life. Going across the world and experiencing life outside of America will revolutionize who you are and how you see God. You will also see the desperateness of the need for his people to go out. I want to encourage you. It's worth it. Raising funds isn't that difficult. You can get people for a good cause like that to support you to go. God will make the way. Once you say, yes, I'll go, God will make the way. He will get you there. But I dare say, if you live your life in Christ and refuse to go, you're walking in rebellion. Because God's command said, go, and it was to all of us.